0: As I was praying and meditating this morning, I simply asked the Lord for a piece of bread. And I'm going to try and just break that piece of bread in a way today that hopefully will in some way minister to the needs of every heart that is here. And I thank you for your prayers and affirmations uh, on, on our behalf and for the service this morning. The verse that we'll be focusing on uh, to introduce the message, actually, the title of the message is simply Bearing His Image. Bearing His Image. Exodus and chapter 20 and verse 7 simply says this: Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. I'm going to be looking at this subject through uh, the Hebrew lens, the the Hebrew meaning uh, of this verse. The the, the context here may have to do with profanity or using God's name in a wrong way, but more accurately, it has the idea of misrepresenting or discrediting the name of God in some way. The burden of this message then is not so much about, let's say, profanity, but a call to a clear, consistent identity as followers of Jesus Christ. Reaching people as we've been talking about and considering throughout these sessions, surely has to do with what I do. It surely has to do with what I say. But perhaps more, it has to do with who I am. Who I am. And that's the burden of the message this morning. A call to a clear identity. Our world is broken. People are looking for answers. They want real ones they want trusted ones. They want trustworthiness. Repeatedly, the question comes, as we minister in different places, people will say, who really are you? Who are you? Because they've been watching, and they're trying to figure out, because somehow it stands in in contrast to what's perhaps going on around us, especially if you go to a place like Iraq and you don't have to go that far away. Someone made the observation one time to the discredit of our people. And they said, it seems like maybe you are different from the Christ that you say you follow. That's sad. I hope that's not true in any way here. So who really Are we? I'm in Homa, Louisiana. We come to a house that's being taken down, that's been condemned by the city because a big tree fell on it during that hurricane there. And so we go to minister to these people as chaplains, and, and, and we come there and... Uh, we, we had actually been there before, and we go back to do a sign-off report and to minister to them. And so we come there, and sure enough, there's a track hole sitting there by the house. One of these great big machines has got a big arm with a with a grabber on it, and uh, by the time we got there, they had already taken about a third of the house down, and now the attic is open, and, and the man and his wife are, are scrambling around to get the last of their uh, what things that go in the attic, you know? Maybe the people in Missouri don't do that, but in Virginia we tend to do that. There's some things in the attic, we go after it because it was important to them. They were scurrying around. But beside that track hole, there was a young man standing there that was to operate this machine. He was strong, he was built. He was the kind of fellow, had tattoos, you know, and that kind of thing. And, and, And I looked at him and I said, you know, that's a young man, aside from the fact that he's not a follower of Jesus Christ, obviously, really has things together. He's got life in the palm of his hand. The couple that was busy working there, they went away from the scene for a little bit. And this man steps over to me and he says, who really are you? I said I could answer that different ways. I could say that, well, who am I? Maybe we're Mennonite. Maybe we're met or we're, uh, you know, whoever. But I said I choose to say that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And you know what he asked next? He said, "What do I need to do to make my wrongs right?" Really. I said, that has nothing to do with operating a track hoe. That has nothing to do with being built solid muscle and having life to, it has nothing to do with that. The man was serious. What do I need to do? I said, son, the sun was beating down and I said, Let's move over under the tree. We picked up some boxes there and went over, sat under the shade of the tree. And my wife was there too, and he said, she needs to come too, she's she's wise. I said, I understand this, and so she came. We went over, sat under the tree, and the man began to ask serious questions. What do I need to do to get relation, to have relationship with God? What do I need to do? And I began from the beginning to tell him the story. And after a while, the young man said, No one, no one has ever told me the story. No one. But my point here is: why did he ask? Why did he ask? <clears throat> in Khazar camp, we're back in Iraq. We're sitting in a tent, and people say, Who are you? Well, you're you're Americans. Yes, we're we're Americans, and I say, Okay, so they have this, this, this cloudy look on their face, and I know what they're thinking. They're thinking, you people are from America, and you're here bringing a message of hope. You're bringing something good to us that will help us, but, but there's Americans here that are killing people, and, 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 and there's an uncertain sound. And I say to them, you know what? America is where my plane flew from. That's where my plane came from. And yes, I am an American, but more than that, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. My message is different. How do they know that Different? They just see that difference. They know it. The man in Israel, I'm walking through the old city. He's standing there in the door of his store. And, and I walk up to him, and he says, we start a conversation about, about Christian and so we're talking, and I, I challenge him. I say, well, who are they? And we, we start talking, conversation. And then he, he says, well, it, it seems to me that there's this, uh, this born-again kind. I say, really? Born-again kind? Who are they? Okay. And that now now it's his turn. Okay. And so I, I start getting out of him and I, and I soon find out that he understands there's a difference between Christians and Christian Christians. Right? Does that make sense? All right. <clears throat> so in this passage, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Part one, part two is for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. That's really sobering, is it not? So we have a direct command and we have a sobering consequence here. Let's just look at that a little bit more in the, in the context. And, and I, I, uh, maybe, maybe you study it for yourself, but in Exodus 2, the name as it's used here simply means a definite or a conspicuous position as in identifying with, taking, having a definite or conspicuous position with the Lord, thy God. That's personal. That talks about an internal relationship that has some kind of an external identity that is unmistakably clear. The image of someone, something, and so in the context here, you know, God has always called His people to identity. If we were to study in Exodus 2, it, it, or in Exodus 20 there in verse two, for example, God says, I, "I am the Lord thy God that brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage." And, and so there we have a clear call to identity, a clear, a clear call to bear the image of God. Egypt, bondage, the concern God had was he didn't want his people to become integrated in Egypt and to uh, adopt the culture of the heathen, their lifestyle, their vanities, whatever went with Egypt. Yes, they were in, but they were not of. That's New Testament teaching too, isn't it? Yes, Jesus clearly spoke of that. And, and, And on through here, we see a call to identity and worship. Let me suggest this morning that worship is to encounter the word of God with the full intention to obey it. To encounter the word of God with the full intention to internalize it and in turn, it's it's obvious in some way, the way I think, the way I act, the way I walk, and so on. I see that here. And then it talks about work ethic. If we go on down, the keeping of the Sabbath, what to do when and what not to do, and so I'm thinking now of an incident that happened in in Fredonia. A tornado had gone through there, up here in Kentucky, and so we're there, we come to a man's house, and, and he takes us in, and he says, here's what happened. He said, the storm came from over here, and it blew a big window in, and over here, because of the pressure in the house, it blew a wall out. And so we walked in. He said, this wall right here, it was like a 12-foot wall. And he said, this wall was, was pushed out at the top. You could see out. He said, the only thing that kept it from going on out was the wires that were connected. The electric wires were, were holding this. And he said, then these people, these people, uh, yeah, uh, rapid response, uh, uh, Christians, they came, and they looked this over, and it was, it was just amazing as he spoke, I, 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 had, to, uh, I had to smile, and, and, and he said this man, he, he's, he was wearing this, this big hat, uh, he, I, think, I think he was Amish, and he's here, and he said he came, and he was in the house, and they came with a, with a skid loader, and they were on the outside, and he said, I had the inspector here, and he was watching to make sure that gets done right, because Instead of tearing the house down, they were going to fix it, okay? And so he said the man on the inside, he was watching out through, and he was signaling to the man in the skid loader. He was careful, and they pushed that wall in, and they got it right at the right place. He told them to stop. They nailed it back in place, and he said that the inspector approved it. And, and he was watching this, and he said, they're, they're, they're Christians. And I said, sir... This is what I believe Jesus would have done if he were here. Now, he wouldn't have used a skid loader. He would have probably spoken the word, or maybe he'd have just reached his arm and put it right back in place. I don't know what Jesus would have done. But the image of God was displayed there in a way that really spoke to that man. And then he said, of all things, they all left, and they wouldn't take anything. I couldn't give them anything. I said, that's what Jesus did. That's what he does. His followers bear his image. They attempt to walk in his steps and do it his way. I want to illustrate the word vain as it's used here. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. The word vain in context means to leave a false impression or representation. Now that gives us a tremendous responsibility, it gives us a tremendous opportunity, does it not? An illustration, just a quick story. A man, a businessman in New York City, has his office on the seventh floor of that building Many of the employees there didn't really know who he was. He was the boss, he was up top, uh, but he had a daughter that was an influential part of the company. And one day she comes to work and, and the people that are, are working there, they watch how she lives her life. And they notice that throughout the day, she is unkind, she is not compassionate. She really doesn't care about what's good for other people. She's looking out for herself. And and as they watch the daughter, they're asking, we wonder what the man, the boss on the seventh floor is like. All we know is what the daughter is like. Let's turn the story around. Just the opposite. The daughter comes to work. She's with the employees. They notice her as she as she conducts her affairs throughout the day. And they notice that she's got acts of kindness and she's, she's merciful and compassionate and she's looking out for the welfare of other people and she's, she's being helpful and that kind of thing. And they watch. And again, they say, wonder what the man on the seventh floor is like? All we know is what the daughter is like. At the end of the day, the daughter goes to the top of the elevator, and she steps out to meet her father, who is the owner and the boss of the company. Now, I'm not putting him on the same level as God, okay? But, but that's the story. And she steps out to meet him, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have borne my image today. <clears throat> I am going to stay within my time today. <clears throat> I want to reference a scripture in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, and it simply reads like this: "And God said, "Let us make man in our image." after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image In the image of God created he him, male and female, created he them, and God blessed them. And God said, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that creepeth upon the earth. I want to just shine a little bit of light here, because we don't have time to really flesh this idea But we have the idea here of bearing the image. Now, image as it's used there simply means a resemblance and consequently a representative figure of. The scripture says our image. That really runs deep because who was the our in this case? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I'll mention just a couple of things for the sake of our time here. John 1, 1 says, and and we're talking now about bearing the image of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. I'm sorry, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And you know how it goes on. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Goes on to say that in Him was light, life, and the life was the light of men, and so on. The point that I want to make here how do I bear the image of God who I haven't seen? God is His Word. You're here at Bible school, intense teaching from the Word as you internalize the Word. You you memorize it. You internalize it. It becomes who you are. And it directs your steps. It it, uh, helps us to, well the words that we say, our actions and all, should be a direct result of who I am, right? And who I am is what I internalize, it's what I become. What I eat is what I become. And as a result, you remember the teaching uh, one of the other uh, evenings, the people that sat in darkness have seen great light. And so as the word is internalized, it becomes a part of our our life, Out of that comes light to the darkness. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Same with God the Son. Model his character, his heart, his methodology. I'm thinking now of the time when Jesus went down to the Jordan to be baptized of John. John resisted the idea, didn't he? He said, I have need to be baptized of you. And Jesus said, suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. That's a key phrase. It becometh us. And and that's the relationship between a man and the Lord Jesus Christ together to fulfill righteousness. That speaks of bearing his image, fulfilling righteousness, Walking as he walked, doing as he did. God the Holy Spirit is there. And obviously we could go to Galatians 5. Talks about the fruit of the Spirit as opposed to the works of the flesh. Is it not true that we bear one or the other? One or the other. Not both. So... What is the purpose of man having dominion over? We notice there that he was given dominion over. I'm going to say one of the things that God clearly had in mind was I want man to do it my way, to do it the way that I would do it, to bear my image as he orchestrates life. That relationship with God is to to bear his resemblance be a representative of him, just the way that he would do it. And it was to permeate everything, fish of the sea and and so on. So the point here is that man is called to impact the world with the purpose of his own creation, to bear the image of God. I ask, how are we scoring with that? 1 Peter 2, verse 9 But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation of peculiar people that she should, what? Show forth the praises, exemplify, bear the image of him that has called you out of darkness to walk in his marvelous light. Which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have. Oh, that's so powerful. <clears throat> I want to reference Matthew 25. And I'm going to just uh, just reference this passage because to bear the image of God, to accurately bear the image of God actually is counter to my natural inclination, is it not? To to bear the image of God somehow makes us stand out, doesn't it? Maybe we would rather not quite be that clear, that pronounced, uh, because it raises questions and all of that. That idea to not bear the image of God is of Satan. That's not God's idea, that's Satan's idea. And it's as old as the garden, you know. The serpent comes to Eve in the garden, and says, so God gave you commandment, yes. God. Oh, you don't need to obey him. You know that you can do better than that in the day you take that fruit, you're gonna be wise, and so on, you know his idea. You can identify with yourself, and so on. Why be restricted? Why be in bondage to God? Why be in bondage to the church? Why be in bondage to standards at Bible school? That didn't cost you anything. So in this chapter, Matthew 25, we have several examples of, of the conflict that takes place in kingdom loyalties. I'll just mention them. In the first part of Matthew 25, we have, we have three sections here, and I'll just touch them. In the first part, we have the story of the 10 virgins. And the point here is that these 10 virgins, they, they were preparing for something, a wedding. They knew the culture, They knew the expectation. They knew that the bridegroom is coming. They knew they needed oil in their lamps. They knew they needed extra oil. They knew they would be waiting for a time. Some prepared and some didn't. Now, my point here is that five of these virgins had the appearance of readiness, but on the inside they were out of oil. That idea is not from God. <clears throat> First John 3:2, beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath that hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Second is the inclination. It, it, it's the, the uh, parable here of the uh, talents. And, and again, it's an illustration of the kingdom. But the point here is that the master had given his talents and the expectation was is that the servants would somehow... Uh, Do with that money, do with those talents what was the expectation of the master. They would somehow model his values as they invested and what they did with it. Two of them did, one did not. How are we doing with what has been invested in us? God has made a tremendous investment in us. He's gone to a far country, he's coming back. He's gonna ask us, How did you do, what did you do with what I've entrusted to you, the values I've given you? Have you borne my image with what I've given you, talents, abilities, and so on? Have you invested them in the kingdom? But the real sobering part now is in in the last part here, we have the, uh, the, the judgment, the scene of the judgment here, and you will remember that in the context of our study, we said the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Just making a few comments here. So Jesus here talks to the righteous. And in verse 35, for example, he says that I was and ye gave. I was thirsty and ye gave. Notice that all the way down through. I was and ye did. I was and you visited, and so on. I was, and and the righteous said, Lord, when, when did all that happen? Let's just say that they had internalized the will of the master to where it simply came out. They were bearing his image. They were doing it just the way the master would have done it. That's the call, and then he speaks to the ones on the left, and, and we just replay the scenario. He says, I was, and you did not. I was, and you did not, again and again, and we notice the consequence there. <clears throat> I'm going to close with one more story. We bear something. We bear something. What perspective does the world around me have of my Father in Heaven because of what they see in me? It's a sobering question. The story takes place in Bangladesh. A young man, we learned to know there. He had gone to Australia for training uh, and went to school there. And while he was there, he came in contact with a young lady. It happens between young men and young ladies, doesn't it? It still happens today. But he... He, he, he got to know this young lady, and, and actually they decided to get married. Now, I'm not giving this as the model. I'm using it for the sake of illustration. She was a believer. He was not. He was Muslim. But anyways, uh, one day she gave him a Bible as a gift, Okay, and he takes the Bible, and he receives it as a gift from her. He puts it on the headboard of his bed, and leaves it there. They were just about to get married. They were engaged, and she was an acrobat. The story goes, as he told it to me, that one day she went up for one final dive out of that plane, and she jumped out of that plane. Her parachute didn't open and she fell to her death. The young man was crushed. His world just caved in. And he said to me, I had nothing excepting the book that she had given me was on the headboard of my bed. I took that book and I began to read it. And I came to place my faith in Jesus Christ. And he read, he comes back to Bangladesh. He's in Dhaka, in the city. And he said, as I read, I wondered why are there no people that look like what I read about in this book? They're not here. It must be that the word of God, the right philosophy, but but there's nobody that looks like it. Nobody is bearing the image. And as he was thinking about these things, one day he was out on the street and he looked over across and he saw some sisters walking Like right here, some of our team, they were walking. And he looked over there, and he said, there they are. There are people that still look like what I'm reading about. I don't think he'd seen anybody like it before. He darts across the street, and he became familiar with us. There's more to the story, but I'm going to stop right there. Let us not take the name of the Lord, our God, in vain. It's a high bar. It's a high calling. But it's our call as followers of Jesus Christ. Let's be faithful and do just that.